0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. given a testimony or you've, you've shared Jesus with someone and you thought that if you could formulate that testimony or formulate the way that you're telling people about Jesus in a certain way that makes it sound really good and attractive, that that would ultimately win them to Jesus. Has anybody ever done that? Man, I've done that a lot. It's like, hey, okay, so I know this person, I know how I need to kind of twist this and how I need to say this and what kind of just entices them a little bit. And that's how I'm going to testify to these people. That's how I'm going to share Jesus with them. And if I do that, it's guaranteed that they're going to turn and follow Jesus. Man, and I've I've thought that. I'm just going to be honest and transparent with you. I've thought that my abilities to, to just kind of wordsmith and do some some smooth talking was enough to win people to Jesus. And I was completely wrong in that, because it doesn't matter what we do. And that's what I want us to talk about today is I think that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as the church, that when we go and we witness or we testify or we or we try to bring someone to Jesus or tell someone about Jesus that we put all the pressure on ourselves and that we think we have to have exactly the right words, we have to do it exactly the right way or they're never going to come to know Jesus. And I think we do that a lot of times and what I want to happen this morning is for that pressure to be alleviated. I don't want you to have that pressure because you shouldn't and scripture teaches us that. In Acts chapter 2, Starting in verse 36, and this is, um, this is after Peter just preached, and this is the end of that, and he says this starting in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So let's think about Peter's message really quick. Peter tells them about the resurrected Jesus. And then in verse 36, we see that he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Talk about wordsmith. He's, he's speaking to this, these people and saying, hey, you crucified Jesus. This is what you did. He, he was taken to the cross. He was beaten, and he was crucified because of you. That's not how I would probably formulate that message to try to win people to Jesus. But it shows us one thing for certain. And that's this. Number one is programs don't produce conviction. Programs don't produce conviction. And one thing we're really good at at church is creating programs. We're really good at just having programs everywhere you look. And I'm not against programs. I think they're they're good. It's a good tool to use. But programs don't produce conviction. It doesn't matter how good our worship is. It doesn't matter how good the preaching is. It doesn't matter how good our children's ministry is. It doesn't matter how good the student ministry is, our greeters, how good the coffee tastes. None of that matters when it comes to conviction because programs don't produce convictions. Only the Holy Spirit can convict. And that takes the pressure off of us As the church, as we witness, as we testify, as we tell people about Jesus, if we can go into that knowing, hey, it really doesn't matter how good I do, I can't convict this person. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And that takes the pressure off of us as the church. It doesn't mean that we don't do it. It means that we don't have the pressure to convict because that's not our job. And it's not our job as a church to create programs to convict people. We can't do that. And if we truly want to be the church beyond the 52, if we truly want to be the church every other day, not just on Sunday, then we have to tell people about Jesus. We talked about that last week, the Great Commission, how it's not just some request from Jesus. It's a command to go and make disciples. And how awesome is it that as we go and we make the Holy Spirit, is working. It doesn't doesn't mean that we have to convict. It means that we go and we follow Jesus and we allow the Spirit to do what the Spirit does. And we trust Him for that. Because programs don't produce conviction. John 16, 8 says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, his his job is to convict. That's not our job. And it's not our job to, to produce something at church that causes that to happen. Our job is to focus on Jesus and allow him and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does. And it alleviates the pressure from us. That should give us confidence To go out it should give us confidence to tell people about jesus to know that man i may jack this up but the holy spirit's not going to jack it up and i can't tell you how many times that we've had some programs in place here in our first year you can look at all the 2020 and i promise you there were multiple sundays that programs were not right there were multiple Sundays that, man, we just didn't, we didn't have our best effort, so to speak. We weren't very excellent. We didn't do very good at some things. But the Holy Spirit doesn't concern himself with how good we are. And if we just continue to focus on Jesus, the Holy Spirit will do what the Holy Spirit does. And again, I don't want you to think that I'm against programs. We have those, and I think those are necessary to keep things organized and to keep things moving, and for spiritual growth to just kind of go through the, the stream. Those things are important, but they don't produce conviction. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Number two is this. The church has something to offer to a broken world. We see in verse 40 here, it says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Now, he's talking to the the earliest of Christians. And he's saying, Hey, save yourself from this crooked generation. This world that you're living in, man, they don't care about Jesus. They're not following Jesus. They don't love Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. So get away from that brokenness. And we're in a world just like that today. A world that's broken. A world that's in need of something. And maybe there's many people that don't even know what they're in need of. They don't even realize that it's Jesus. But the church has something to offer them. David Guzik said this, he said there is an awareness that one's generation, not simply people in a similar age range, but those who share a geographical region, culture, and social traits will undoubtedly influence all of those in it. One of the ways to redeem the concept of the church is to recognize that the church has something unique to offer to a world hungry for something different. In a world rocked by sexual assault, the church can present a vision of accountability, grace, and sexual ethics that result in human flourishing. In a world consumed with materialism, the church can teach us to recognize value apart from a price tag. In a world increasingly disconnected from embodied relationship, the church can offer real community. In many ways, the church has failed to live up to these ideals in the past. It's important for us to recognize the rich resources we have in scripture to address the brokenness of the world. And the world is broken all around us and the church has something to offer and that's hope in Jesus. If you think about people at your work, people on your Facebook page, people at your schools, friends that you have, I'm almost 100% certain that you can think of someone that is broken right now. Someone that is hurting right now. Someone that desperately needs Jesus. And the church has the responsibility and the opportunity to share Jesus with those people. And not impact church, the church You and me. Not on Sunday mornings, because guess what? They're not here. Because they're hurting and they're broken and they don't want anything to do with Jesus sometimes. They've been hurt by the church, maybe, and they don't want anything to do with the church. And if we never take Jesus outside of these walls, how are they going to get that hope? Because they're not coming in here. It's our responsibility as the church to give them what we have, and that's hope in Jesus. To be the, the friends that we're supposed to be, to be the, the spouses that we're supposed to be, to be the, the sisters and brothers, to be the cousins, to be the friends, to be the coworkers, whatever it is, God has called us to be the church everywhere we go. It doesn't stop. We don't turn it off. And, and that's what that's what bothers me a lot about the, the American version of Christianity is that we just turn it off when we want to because we're so free, because our religious freedom is here, it's intact. And I feel like a lot of times as, as Christians, we turn it off when we leave. And we're not at church anymore. That doesn't mean that you're not still following Jesus. It doesn't mean that you, you don't have a relationship with him and that he isn't calling you to do stuff as a Christ follower. He never called anyone to follow him and not continue to do so. You can search scripture. Every time he calls someone to follow him, he, he calls them to continuously follow him, to continuously take steps. And if we truly want to be the church beyond the 52, we have to continue to take steps. We have to continue to offer Jesus to the broken world all around us. And the third thing I want to point out from this passage is this. Grace fools the wisdom of the world. Because the wisdom of the world says that Jesus isn't Cool. I don't know if you've seen, like, those Jesus T-shirts that, like, they were really popular maybe 10 years ago where there's just all kinds of sayings. It's like a Reese's Cup shirt but says, like, Jesus saves or whatever. There's a lot of different Jesus T-shirts, and I used to kind of like those shirts. There's there's one right now that says Jesus saves with, like, throwing a baseball like he's a closer at a in at a baseball team, and I might get that. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter how cool you try to make Jesus, he's never going to be cool to the world. The world is going to hate Jesus. He tells us that. And there's going to be people that hate you because you follow Jesus. Let's just accept that as Christians. Let's accept that as Christ followers. There's going to be people that don't like us because they don't understand spiritual things. They don't like Jesus. They don't like Christianity. That doesn't mean that we stop. But the wisdom of the world is that, man, Jesus is, he isn't cool. And as if you can't be special, if you can't be some majestic communicator, if you can't be some amazing talker or manipulator, there's no way that you're going to be able to ever win anybody to Jesus. The first thing I want to say about that is we're not going to win anybody to Jesus anyway. The Spirit does that. The second thing I want to say is this. Acts 2.41 says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Peter tells people they just killed Jesus. That's not a very loving statement said, hey, house of Israel, everyone listening to me, I want you to know that you just crucified Jesus. God just made him Christ and Lord and you crucified him. He tells him to repent, to be baptized. He says, hey, you're sinners. You need to repent from that sin. You need to get away from that and start following Jesus. This is, this is a message that Most pastors in America aren't going to preach. And then the grace of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit began to work and around 3,000 people were saved. And it wasn't because of Peter. It was because of Jesus. Because God's grace fools the wisdom of, Of the world because his grace is greater than anything we could ever imagine his grace does stuff when we think that nothing is possible I want you to think about someone that is so far away from Jesus in your life right now that you you truly you don't believe or you don't know how that person will ever begin to follow Jesus I just want you to think about that person for a second. And I want you to know that God's grace, even though human wisdom and worldly wisdom says, hey, that person will never follow Jesus, God's grace can cover and change and transform even the worst sinner. And as a church, as we go out and we know that, that helps us to be the church. It helps us to know that, hey, Programs don't produce conviction. Only the Holy Spirit does that. So as I go out and I begin to to speak and I begin to testify and I begin to just share Jesus with people, man, there's no pressure on me because I'm not doing the conviction. And we realize that even if the wisdom of the world says, hey, there's no reason that you should even be doing this. The church can't help. With this this community is so far gone. This area of the community can never be helped. They can never be served. They can never be brought to Jesus. God's grace says, hey, let me show you what I can do. Because I don't care what your wisdom says because I'm greater than that. And now what power that gives us as the church to go out and be the church. Because there's no pressure on us to do that. You know what keeps us from being the church a lot of times? There's two things. One, is that we want to be who we want to be more than we want to be who God wants us to be. And if we're honest about that, that's where some of us are. We want to be who we want to be more than who God wants us to be. And the second reason that we're not the church that God has called us to be is because we're just, we're embarrassed to do it. We know that Christians get mocked and made fun of. We know that the world really doesn't love Jesus and we don't really know what they're going to say about us. Man, maybe we lose some friends. Maybe this relationship that we've been in and we start testifying about Jesus, maybe they don't like us anymore. Maybe you start getting treated differently at work and we're just embarrassed and we're scared of what may happen if we start being the church that God's called us to be. And I know that those two things exist because, man, those two things have been in my heart before. That I've wanted to be who I wanted to be way more than I wanted to be who God wanted me to be. And I've lived that life. And it led to destruction, destruction of relationships, destruction of decisions in life. And I've been scared and embarrassed at different times to be the the church that God has called me to be. Because I don't know what the result's going to be. I don't know how people are going to look at me right now. I'm pretty cool and people like me and man, I I, I fit in well and I have a good reputation with these people. And I know for some of you, that's hard to believe that that was ever true about me. I understand that. But if I start talking about Jesus and sharing Jesus and being the the Christ follower that I'm supposed to be, then what's that look like then? Am I still in the click at work? Do people still tell me stuff, am, am I still cool? So I just retreat. And I'm afraid that we do that a lot of times as the church, is that we retreat back because we don't want to lose our status in the world. And the funny thing is that we're just here temporarily. I've talked to numerous people this week and one of the themes of the conversations is our citizenship isn't here. As Christ followers, our citizenship is in heaven. The Bible tells us to get our mind off of the things of the world and set our mind on spiritual, heavenly things. And I know that that can seem difficult. It can seem like a a life that just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But as we close this morning, I want to I want to share something with you that I think we can we can apply to our everyday life. Something that we can truly implement to help us become the church beyond the 52. To help us to be on mission every day. And when I say this, you're going to you're going to look at me and some eyes are going to get big, and you're going to be like, yeah, that that didn't really help, but give me some time to, to break it down. But if we really want to be the church, beyond the 52, the Christ follower that God has called us to be, then we must put God above everything else. And you're like, yeah, man, you say that a lot at church. Like, that's cool. That's great. What's that mean? What's that look like? And let's get practical. This is what it looks like for us. Because this is something that I struggled with mightily early on in my Christian walk. This is something that still is a struggle. Because it's something that we have to be intentional about every single day. That's why this series is called Everyday Mission. Because it's something that we have to be intentional about every single day. This is what it looks like. It looks like waking up in the morning. And some of you, the first thing you think about is whatever you went to sleep thinking about. Because you're just, you're, your mind just goes and goes and goes. And you finally fall asleep and you wake up and you're like, man, I'm still thinking about that. So I'm not going to tell you that the first thing you should think about is Jesus. I'm not going to tell you that. Because when I wake up, usually the first thing I think about is, man, I really need to go to the restroom. That's the first thing on my mind, just being honest. It's not, man, I love Jesus and I'm going to live for him today. It's, man, I really need to go to the bathroom, but I don't want to get up. That's where intentionality comes in. It's that when we wake up in the morning... I'm not going to say the first thing that you think about is Jesus. I'm going to say the first thing that you make yourself focus on is Jesus. The first thing in the morning when you get up, after you use the restroom, after you get done thinking about whatever you went to sleep thinking about, after you push your, your wife off of you, because even though you got a big bed, she wants to slide all the way over every night. Whatever it is. You make yourself focus on Jesus. You tell him, I need you today. And you know why you need him. You know why you need him. And you tell him, I need you today because fill in the blank. Be honest with him. I need you today because if I don't have you, I'm probably going to be very mean to this person. I need you today because if I don't have you, I'm probably going to give in to this sin. I need you today because if I don't have you, I'm not going to shine like you've called me to shine. And have a conversation with them. And then as your day goes, man... If you're like, I get up pretty early because of work, so by 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, man, it's time to kind of pray again because something's going on. It's like, Jesus, I need you now because I don't want to get fired. Man, my wife really needs me to keep making money. My kids really want to eat a lot. And, man, I need you because there's some there's some some spiritual warfare going on right now and I need you to help me be the, the Christ father you've called me to be. And then things just keep happening during the day and we call them popcorn prayers here in Impact Church and there's just times we got to throw up some some quick prayers. Man, a popcorn prayer goes up. Like God, you know I need you because I'm about to have this conversation and And it's probably not going to be well if you're not here. And practically, that's how we live on mission every day. Is that we stay connected to the true vine. And because we're connected to the true vine, then fruit is produced. The fruit that comes from the Spirit. The Bible's clear about that. We see that in the book of John that we're connected to the true vine as, as Christians and that we're to love God as Jesus loved him. And we're to love others as Jesus loved us. And practically, what that looks like is that we stay connected through communication, through community with the Savior. is that we don't allow a day to pass where we look back at the end of the day and say, man, I don't even know if I talked to God today. I don't even know if, if I even thought about Jesus today. How am I being the church that He's called me to be if I'm not even thinking about Him? And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you. to encourage you to begin to live the life that he's called you to live. Because we're all in this together. And we're all in unity, chasing after Jesus. Some of us may be running really fast after him. Some of us may be walking really slow. My prayer is that we're all moving. That we're all continuously Taking those steps know this as you go out as the church know this as you enter the mission field outside of these four walls know that programs don't produce conviction that no matter how good you spin it that it's not your responsibility to produce the conviction that's the Holy Spirit Take comfort in that fact. Take comfort in knowing that. Know that the church has something to offer. You have something to offer to a broken world. And that's the hope of Jesus. And there's so many people that'll never know that hope unless we as the church tell them about it, show it to them, proclaim it, To the world. And know that grace. Man, grace fools the wisdom of the world. When the world says no, grace says yes. When the world says it's not possible, grace says all things are possible with Jesus. When the world says I give up and I can't do it, grace says I know that you can't do it, but I can. But it's all about, first and foremost, having a relationship with Jesus. Because all this sounds, maybe this sounds really good to you in your head, but you've never really started a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't even know what that means. Maybe you've never done what Peter said and repented of your sin. The truth is this, that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. That we've all fallen short of God's glory. And because of that, we deserve an eternity in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Because Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins, we no longer, we no longer have to walk in sin and in death. We can turn from that. We can accept Christ as our personal Savior and begin to follow after Him. And then we become the church. Not the local church body. We become the church. We are the church, the bride of Christ. That's us as Christians. And we're called to live that out every single day of our life. So as we close this morning, I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.